Welcome to episode 41 of the A Free Spirit Life Podcast. Hello, thanks so much for being here today. I'm Shannon Kinney Dew, holistic life and spiritual coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and I am bringing you another great episode of this podcast to inspire you to live an authentic, empowered, and super awesome life. Because you know what? Life is short and you're already awesome. And sometimes we get bogged down by life and we just don't see the awesomeness as much anymore. And so this show is about reclaiming our awesomeness. It's about remembering how amazing you already are. Returning to your inner wisdom, your inner strength, your inner beauty, your inner knowing so that you can reconnect to your intuition and find the courage it takes to follow where it leads you next. In today's episode, I am bringing back an oldie but goodie. So many of you might remember, I started a podcast with my friend Ashley Walburn called the Mindful Mama Movement. We started it about three years ago, and we have 30 amazing interviews. And we no longer add to that podcast, but man, we had some beautiful conversations. And so today, I wanted to bring back one of my very, very favorites, Karen Mazen Miller. She is a mom, a wife, a Zen Buddhist priest, and an author of some beautiful books, which include Paradise in Plain Sight, Hand Wash Cold, Care Instructions for an Ordinary Life, and Mama Zen, Walking the Crooked Path of Motherhood. Mazen invites us to learn how to sit in our daily busy life, how to find calm and carve out space for stillness and why that is so important. It's an enriching, empowering conversation about real life. I can't wait to share it with you. And just as a reminder, because I recorded this episode with my friend Ashley, you're going to hear both of us doing this interview today. Enjoy the show. First of all, amazing, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and share what stage of motherhood you are in? Oh, my. Well, I, I hope I don't have that much to tell you about myself. Um, <laughs> if, if I've uh, accomplished any of the previous stages of motherhood that I've passed through, uh, frankly, I've ended up with very little to say about myself. Um, my daughter is a teenager now. I was a late stage arrival at motherhood. I was 42. And when I did the math, I realized that if um, my daughter had been born on time, she was slightly premature, that I actually would have been 43. And that, that never made it into my personal narrative. I always wanted to make myself younger than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can recall, I recall my own mother very um, poignantly in the stage I'm in now because um, I had my mother with me. She was still alive when my daughter was just born and for shortly uh, after that. And I can remember her being so um, gentle and encouraging with me and all of my crises, you know, at that time, the kind of crises that you have when your child is three months or six months or nine months or a year or something. 
And she said to me at that time, you know, when you're, when your babies are little, they have little problems. And when they're bigger, you'll find out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not to say that my daughter is in any way plagued with, uh, with big problems. It's just that the amount of um, control that you feel that you have is probably indirect to the amount of worry that you have. It seems the stakes are always growing higher. And so I would have to conclude by saying, I think I'm in the very beginning stages of motherhood. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is um, so um, interesting. I, with my son that's 22, I feel like I've had almost a rebirth. Um, that there was a period in high school and then college that um, we didn't communicate well. Um, my girlfriend said he was like dirtying the nest. Um, but since he, um, like about age 21, I feel like I'm mothering again, like all over, just like he's an infant almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can, under I can understand that. For myself, I, I always have to reflect on on what I do and what I say and, and what I think because I have found um, I, I, I don't think that my daughter is acutely more intuitive than any other um, perfect child is and they're all perfect but I find now that she can signal to me that even the way I think mm. even the way the things that I don't say she really feels that impact and, you know, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, we live in an energetic field, you know, just a field of energy. And my worry, my doubt, my second guessing, my concern, what I think of as my engagement or involvement in her life is actually always kind of confining mm -hmm. for her. Mm -hmm. And it creates pressure. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I am really always... Uh, turning back in on myself and starting over and trying to, um, you know, just use my practice. Yeah. I'm trying to practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's presumably what you're doing with, with this um, program that you have. I'm just trying to be mindful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, really wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, I know in your second book, Hand Wash Cold, um, that you shared a little bit what it was like becoming a mother for the first time. Can you share with us um, briefly just what that transition was like for you? Well, I wouldn't even call it a transition. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really more or less um, a catastrophe. <laughs> I was wondering where she was going. Yeah. Yes, we can relate. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, I think in my case, like I've said, because I was older um, and I felt that I had kind of accomplished certain things in my life, and all of us do, what we do is we get comfortable <laughs> yes. with our lives and we choose things to put in it that either we like or we want or um, we think we'd be good at or in any event, I'd had a lot of control. Um, and I mistook that control for peace of mind. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. In other words, I just had everything my way all the time. <laughs> um, I, I didn't think that motherhood would be anything at all um, difficult or beyond my ability because, you know, I really felt like I was ready and eager. Um, and in truth, you know, it's really not that hard except that I um, had had this you know, um, my whole adult life, I had worked at things, um, in order to, um, be good at them or in in order to be successful at them or, you know, in, in order to achieve certain things. And, you know, the nature of early motherhood and certainly all of motherhood is that achievement really should be, you know, off the table entirely. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt pretty, um, afraid you know, I, uh, afraid. Um, but I, I was in a way, another way to look at it is that, you know, your life brings to you exactly what, um, you don't want, you know, <laughs> because you need it. You yes. need mm-hmm. to be able to learn and grow. Um, and so, you know, my daughter, as many, as many mothers realize, as many parents realize their children are their teachers. Um, I really reflect, it was a whole new life for me. It was just a, a total reset and uh, really helped to keep me young. Mm-hmm. I uh, had an interesting week and uh, it's very related to what you're talking about this you know, when things are going peacefully, you think you have that control, then, you know, life is great. And we we tend to label it like that. And I've noticed uh, just the other day, it was just one of those kind of days where, you know, everything just hits you at once. Uh, the car broke down, our cat went missing, we had to stuff five kids, you know, our family of five into a small hatchback and struggling with the car seats and all of that. And you know, I could just feel that irritability just like starting to pull me into that vortex. And um, it took me a full day to really kind of reflect on what was truly what I was feeling. Um, it's in secession with I'm leading a group of women right now who are clearing clutter to create space in our life. And, you know, we're focusing more on the physical clutter right now, which we talk about the mental and emotional clutter and how that's all related. But it was so interesting because the physical clutter for me right now is like, oh, it's not a problem. I can get this. I'm really not attached to these things. I've been working on it for years. I, I really love getting rid of this physical stuff. But what I noticed is I was my ego was kicking and screaming like nothing was going my way. And that irritability was just was controlling me. And so I, I thought of you, Mesa, and just what can you say to those of us who can't seem to let go of the fact that our life as we know it in this moment is not going as we planned. It's not going as we want and we're resisting and we're fighting and we're struggling with that. And uh, where, where can we find that space and that ease to uh, learn to let go so that we're not always striving for that perfect life, but we're actually just loving and being in that moment, the mess, the clutter, and all? Well, that's really the only question there ever is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the, uh, the question of, the, that's how we, we, we search for meaning in our lives. I mean, otherwise, we're just going to be depressed. Otherwise, we're just going to be cynical and negative. Because the truth is, how often are things going your way? 
Mm-hmm. Um, we might know some people who've kind of retreated um, and, uh, you know, aren't very social and don't have relationships in their lives. And, and you might think, well, there's a way to um, escape, you know, all of the suffering, the conflict, the turmoil. Um, but then you find that those people are probably even more depressed than anybody else. So the answer has to be in relationship. The answer has to be in real life that we have to do that. And what you've just described is the first step. The first step is that you have to say, oh, look at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Look at how I'm feeling. Um, And instead of lashing out or looking solely to the external, well, you know, I'm feeling this way because of how you're acting. I'm feeling this way because um, the, the car seats won't go in. I'm feeling this way because the cat ran away. I mean, you cannot, you have to stop thinking in the, uh, directing all of your um, blame externally. Um, in fact, if, if you don't look for external causes, all external causes are blame. Just mm-hmm. don't look for the external mm-hmm. causes and understand that all of your power lies in that moment of response mm-hmm. and reaction. That's where all of your power and that's where your responsibility lies. Now, I can't tell anybody anything that is going to, um, you know, turn on a switch or a trigger that will make uh, it easy to be at ease. The truth is, it's very hard to be at ease. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to be at ease. In my case, I can, I can, I can, I can say some words about it, but the words would be meaningless and, you know, completely ineffective if I hadn't sat in a meditation retreat or in a meditation practice for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you do in meditation. What you do in meditation is you bring all of your trouble, all of your anxiety, all of your anger, and you put it in a chair or you, you put it on a cushion. You, you sit down with it mm-hmm. and, because it's yours. You know, what are you going to do? wring the cat's neck when it comes home, you know, how many times are you going to scream at the kids, you know, or how many times it's not even possible to have a different argument with your husband, your spouse, your partner, all your arguments are the same. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to have that, um, realize what, how your reaction to events, um, creates this, uh, difficulty for yourself, your response to to events. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, I like I say, and like I, I like I try to profess all the time. I don't have quick fixes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've intimated, you know, that I have realized just how much now and how vast my worry is about my daughter as she she you know inches closer to adulthood and. Um, you know, the decisions that she's going to make, um, you know, over the next couple of years. Um, but I was talking to my own teacher. This is why you need a teacher. You know, mm-hmm. this is why you need to have like-minded people in your life. And I, I told him that my daughter was um, uh, really experiencing some high anxiety, which she, you know, hasn't actually had in some time. Now, she's a junior in high school. And you know, all the counselors will tell you that that's really a very anxious time and there's a lot of pressure on her, you know, in the junior year. And my teacher smiled. He's 81 years old. 
okay? <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, well, that'll all disappear as soon as she leaves home. <laughs> and I looked at him wide-eyed mm -hmm. and, and he said, you've got to see this, Mason. You have got to see how you, what your expectations are for her and how you filter everything through your own expectations mm -hmm. and then how you judge. She feels that. So in your case, what I'd say is, you know, you first have to see, oh my gosh, I'm so picky. I'm so, um, you know, temperamental. I'm so fragile. You know, I, I'm going to fall apart, you know, right now. And then look to your children because the truth is they'll always have something to say that will snap you back into the present moment. My daughter has always been great about that. When I get very, very upset or, um, you know, I, she knows immediately and she'll say something like, Mom, would you like to take a nap? <laughs> or, Mom, don't worry, it's not always going to be easy. Mm. Or, um, Mom, why don't you just be the mom? Ooh. Something that is so grounding yes. in that moment that I'm just, then it just becomes a matter of following instructions. Yeah. Mm. Just follow, you know, go ahead, fall apart. Yes. Someone in that, you know, right in front of you, someone or something is going to bring you back into focus. Yes. Well, it also makes me, I think about the community and the moms who are listening right now. And, uh, you know, there's so many decisions that we have to make or we feel we have to make as moms. And, and I think a lot of the worry at night and that anxiety that mothers feel is, you know, are we making the right ones? And uh, I, I, what I hear you saying is it's that same practice of kind of seeing your children as your teachers. It's also a practice in learning to trust. Absolutely. Um, and so are we, how, how, what would you say to the moms who are struggling with that right now and thinking, I've got to make this decision, I've got to make that decision, and what if, you know, that worry that's taking over, how yeah. do we settle and not only learn how to trust ourselves as mothers, but how to trust our children? Yeah. Well, um, you know, again, I, the only answer that I ever have for anybody is get really still and quiet and sit down, yes. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why I say that is with your eyes open, you know, when we meditate with our eyes open, the reason why is that life always comes to us in the same way. It comes by itself and answers appear by themselves and circumstances, you know, uh, unfold by themselves. And when we're not alert and aware of how things really are and where we really are, we go up into our heads Mm -hmm. Where we worry, we never worried about the moment right now. We're worried about the one next Tuesday, you know, or the one next year. And we create this, um, really, it's a monstrosity. And, and, and we, then we carry it around on our shoulders. And it's full of all of these unforeseen ramifications of the mistakes that we've made. Um, and that's just a recipe for... Um, you know, a mental health disorder. I mean, that's just a recipe for fear and loathing and, and anger. You know, that's just a recipe for all the things that are toxic that you don't, don't um, you know, you really don't want to share. 
um, we, we, you hear, we hear so much talk about living in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm really going to bring it back to this. You know, we really have to be so clear where that moment is. It's always right where you are. Mm-hmm. And although in our mind, we think that it's so much is happening at once. But actually, not that much is happening at once. <laughs> if we slow down mm-hmm. our thinking, then we will see more clearly how there's a flow to things. And the things that we might be hyperventilating about right now, can we can probably give them a little bit more time and maybe we'll, some more information will appear. And um, especially these decisions that frankly have to do with our children's lives. I think that we have made, we're so smart and we have so much information, but we have all made, and certainly I have, a critical, critical error in placing ourselves at the center of our children's lives instead of our children at the center of their lives. You mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, I can't tell you how many times my daughter would look at me and say, Mom, I'm not you. Mm. I'm not like you. I don't. Even now what she says is something that, of course, just tears me to shreds. She says, just because you're a writer doesn't mean I like to read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they know how to do that. But what they're saying to us, sometimes it's gently and other times it's just with radical emphasis is back off. Mm -hmm. This isn't your decision. Uh, my own experience has been that we really overthink decisions. We th- First off, we think that we make decisions, but I think as life actually unfolds, sure, we do our homework, we make preparations, we fill out forms, we have discussions, but at the time that a decision has to be made, there's only one really clear direction. A decision makes itself. Yeah. And all that time spent beforehand is just called insanity. Mm-hmm. And all the time spent afterwards in second guessing and regret, you know, is just another, um, you know, uh, needless expenditure of energy. If you need to make a change, make a change. And that's ap- applicable to anything, you know, the choice of a kindergarten. You know, the choice of a middle school, whether, you know, to take ballet or soccer or, you know, this or that or the other. I mean, I, I wish I had back all of that time that I invested in this false sense that I could secure and fabricate for my child a perfect life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems it's so arrogant, <laughs> you know, and like not to give it a label, but um, I but, agree. Yeah, it, it is. Comp- it, we, we think we're so selfless mm-hmm. that we sacrifice so much, but we are constantly asking for our children to elevate our own self image, mm-hmm. you know, really. And so um, sometimes when I tell people, well, my daughter said this and this and this to me, you know, she kind of slap me around a little bit or yeah. just sit me straight, <laughs> they will say, she actually talks to you like that? that? And mm. I say, yes. And then, then they'll say, you don't have to worry about her. Ooh. Because mm-hmm. you see, she sees so clearly. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is none of your business. You know, this, this is a difficult decision, but it's my decision. You know, uh-huh. it, frankly, it all started with algebra. When she was kind of like, mom, you know, sorry, you can't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do this. I got to do this road myself. Um, I think um, 
it says a lot about just the people that you are surrounding yourself with also that that if you tell a friend or um you know that your daughter talks to you like that i know that there are some people um that would say you let your daughter talk to you like that Yes, but I'm in California. <laughs> You're not in Kansas, Mason. <laughs> but, but, but this is, but there are people in Kansas who would say that too. And this yes. is again, a, a, kind of this larger issue of how do you trust your life? Mm-hmm. You, your life, and this sounds very woo-woo, but the truth is that your life will bring to you and manifest exactly what you, you know, what you need. And, um, you know, sometimes that's a corrective, and but more than not, most of the time it's encouragement and consolation. So, you know, I, I yes, I'm fortunate, but I never like to suggest that anybody is not fortunate. Um, now, also, I'm keen enough, and I have enough clarity to to um, ask for counsel from people that I respect. Yeah. You know, and um, so, so, but I, I think it does go back to that sense of responsibility that we have. Yes, seek out people in your life, uh, you know, who are like you, you know, or in a similar, um, you know, have experiencing a, a similar circumstance, going through the same kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't trust your life, you won't trust the people in your life. Right. So it's 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 because it's the same life, you know. Mm. If you don't trust your life, you won't trust the disappointments in your life. If you don't trust mm. your life, you won't trust the happy times in your life. You won't trust joy. You know, you won't you won't ultimately it comes down to this. You won't trust not knowing. Yes. We don't know. And so because we can't trust what we don't know, we build just um, we're straightjacketed by fear and fear begets fear and we share and spread that and so we have you know we live in a very anxious you know world well it shows why community you know finding that like-minded community is so invaluable because I know so many moms you know feel isolated or feel alone and when we can all connect together in this way to see that there are other people that are thinking in a different way um there's liberation in that you are absolutely right i think community is everything mm-hmm. um and in a way it's both easier and harder to do one is we have technology which we might They've co-opted the term community, you know, and mm-hmm. connection. Um, but we feel more alienated, you know, because of we've retreated into our technology and our and our and our machines. Um, I really think that personal connection and face-to-face connection, frankly, y- you know, we see it in as in, in in parenthood. I mean, children can't be parented by remote. You know, mm-hmm. they really, they can't. Uh, no life form can exist outside of community. You know, there is nothing outside of community, you know. So we can't, uh, we can't have an imitation flower that, you know, we can program to grow toward the light. You know, it has to actually live 
in the light of the sun, you know, a plant does. We see it in our pets, we see it in everything. And yet we're so smart, we want to talk ourselves out of having face-to-face friendships and, you know, and real connection. I am always going to come down on the side of real, live, human touch and sight and speech and hearing real, live life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that energy field you're talking about. You know, I love what you said at the beginning. I I think of that, but sometimes, you know, if you're in a bad mood or you're thinking something internally, you forget that your kids can just feed off that energy just as we feed off theirs. And so it's the same thing with the community aspect, I'm sure, when you're in the energy field of those people. (laughs) Yes, and that's why I always tell people that, a group that meditates together, a group that sits together, the same thing could, would happen, I'm sure, you know, if we were just getting together and having a beer or a cup of coffee or something <laughs> like that. But um, when I sit in silence with a group of people, uh, for the most, most of the time when I travel, they're total strangers to me, but to, to a number, every single one of them, every single person afterwards, when they speak up, they say, I love you and I love this. There is a, mm. That's what love is. Love is non-judgmental awareness. So um, I can say that, you know, and I can probably print it on a T-shirt or a bumper sticker or something like that. But I have to take care that when I'm in company with the people I love, that I am in a state of non-judgmental awareness. In other words, I see Mm -hmm. them, I respond to them, I recognize them, I support them, but I don't judge even silently because that creates an event, an energetic event that is uh, received with complete precision. You know, my daughter, when she was little, used to say, Mommy, you know, you're using your nice voice, but you are not being nice. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, our pets will do this. You know, our dog, we have a dog. If you have a dog, this is what will happen. When the dog may be perfectly fine in kind of the chaos and commotion of the home, but can intuit perfectly what that intention is in the noise and the conversation, the talk, and will indicate to you when that is a negative energy, our dog hides behind the furniture, mm-hmm. you know, or slinks out of the room. Mm-hmm. And because they can read that energy, The words are irrelevant. They read the energy. So we are beings. We're a little bit more confused and deluded than our dogs or our fish or our turtles, (laughs) you know, who can really uh, live with, you know, flawless instinct. Um, But that's what we create in our homes. And what I will say to moms is look at your children and listen to your children. And if they're not yet afraid to tell you, they're going to tell you what you probably don't want to hear, um, but it will be helpful. And in, in my case, I mean, for a while it was, Mom, you can leave my room now. Mm-hmm. Because what I was bringing in while I thought it was um, accurate and, you know, necessary was not being, he- it, wasn't, it wasn't helping her. And uh, so now I, what I try to do is I sit myself in the chair that I'm here right here and now, and I let her walk into my room with something mm-hmm. and and when you think about it that's a very that's a supreme act of generosity i'm gonna let her bring me something that she needs to share with me or ask me or that's what she needs help with instead of me 
kind of um, just stomping, mm-hmm. uh, you know, into her space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like so much less um, pressure or like one less thing to do. Um, but for children, a choice, um, which is so, you know, powerful and empowering. Yes. Yeah, it is. And we have to respect that, that they have to have a space that is safe for them and that they can control. You know, frankly, there was this one time when I was in my daughter's room, sitting on a chair, talking to her about something I probably thought was important. And then my husband overheard us and he just stood in the threshold of her door and she sat upright and said, wait a minute, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Something's up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think when our children are really little, we, they're, um, they're trained, you know, they're just, you know, perfect students. They learn to give us what we are asking for. You know, uh, sometimes it's a smile, a kiss, you know, a, a giggle. They, they, they are still in that stage where they need to, they need to learn what they have to do in order to trigger the response that they need, the love, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the caring and the nurturing that they need. And so they seem, you know, so compliant, you know, and those are just the easy days when we thought we knew who they were. They just always did things our way. And then they move into another threshold where they have their own power. And, you know, we are essentially now the, the lesson for them, the experiment is for them to carry forward can I coexist with people with whom I have conflict? We become the, you know, the lab rats for them. We are the source mm-hmm. of conflict and That's they're good. learning yeah, how to coexist and how they shape that world. They can't eliminate the conflict, but they have to shape it in a way that they can survive and transcend it. And so that's, I think that's the teen years. Mm, that's beautiful. Um one thing I just wanted to bring up from your book, Mama Zen, I this we loved this quote. I just wanted to read this. It says, fatigue is a guilt. A gift. I mean, I'm sorry, a gift. <laughs> yeah. That was Freudian. That yes. Was- <laughs> <laughs> totally. And guilt is a messenger. <laughs> okay. So fatigue is a gift which I love that. It's so freeing. Like many of the gifts that come to mothers, it is not one you would choose like a spa vacation, but one you can use like a humidifier. (laughs) (laughs) It's a cure and a balm. Fatigue helps you forget. When you are tired, you let go. You drop what you no longer need and you do not pick it up again. You slow down. You grow quiet you take comfort, you appreciate the smallest things, you stop fighting. Ah, so as I think about that, you know, all of us as moms can relate to that feeling of fatigue, that extreme fatigue. And I just think you, the way that you worded that and show it as a gift, it is freeing. What mindset shift do we need to take place to really, you know, appreciate that as a gift, to see that that's a gift and not something <laughs> to feel guilty about yeah, or to feel. Yeah. Well, yeah. when we feel guilty or we feel any kind of resistance, whether it's guilt, you know, or anger or whatever, you know, you know, essentially it's a loaded weapon, you know? Mm-hmm. So am I going to, 
um, you know, set the gun down or am I, you know, I, you just have to set it down because otherwise, um, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, create a disaster there, you know. So um, I think part of what we do maybe as women, I don't, you know, we just take these uh, feelings like the feeling of fatigue or exhaustion and we just, in, it immediately morphs into resentment mm -hmm. you know um we we tell ourselves just imagine this uh we're always telling ourselves what we can't do i can't stop you know i can't quit i can't lie down you know i can't get away i there's no you know i never can get any help you know that kind of thing so those are the messages that we're always reinforcing for ourselves i think mm -hmm. you know precisely the kinds of things that we would never want to tell someone we loved you know, but we're telling ourselves that um, the, the basic premise here is that everything that comes to you, it, it doesn't come, you know, it comes freely and it's a gift. I mean, everything that comes to you is a gift. Is it a gift you want? Most of the time? No. I mean, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's it's not what you want. Um, the whole struggle in life is that we get what we don't want. You know, then what do we do? <laughs> you know? right. So but fatigue in particular, um, exhaustion, I have found that I have. I ha that I had a problem saying, saying two things. Um, I have a problem saying that I'm angry. So I get angrier. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a problem saying that I'm tired. Yes. So I get more tired. Yes. And so maybe the first thing to do is to be uh, non-judgmental. You know, you don't have to create a drama or a story out of it. But I find it's really helpful uh, to tell people in my life that I'm angry. Mm -hmm. And I say it just like that. I'm angry right now. Um, I'm actually talking to myself. I'm angry right now. Because if I don't admit to myself that I'm angry, I'm going to resist it and I'm going to fight it and I'm going to explode and I'll create an even bigger problem. And if I don't admit twice myself that I'm tired, um, I'll still be tired. But on top of that, I'm going to layer you know, guilt anger, resentment, and then everybody will just be minding their own business and mom's head will explode. Yes. You know, well, my yes. head will explode because there are dirty dishes. You know, my head will explode because, you know, I'm behind schedule on something. My, my, the head, you know, because mm -hmm. no, my head will explode because nobody else picked up the dog poop. I mean, you know, no matter yeah. what it is, mm -hmm. it's taken me a long time. Now I'm actually much older in years now. Because, you know, I started at 43, so I have a 17-year-old. So this year I turned 60. Mm -hmm. And you know what I find that I do? I go to bed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. like, hey, I'm just going to clock out here. Yes. Um, and I also, you know, I'm in my, in my life as a serious Zen student and a teacher and a meditator. I go on retreat. Yes. So I leave the house. That's really helpful. Um, but if you can just think that everything that comes to you, and now most of the stuff that happens, I mean, there's no bouquets, you know. There's no publisher's clearinghouse. There's no big lottery win. I mean, there's no New York Times bestseller. There's no, there's no crown and scepter, you mm -hmm. know. So most of the time, what you see coming at you is something that you didn't want or you didn't want it right now. Yes. But it is a gift. Yes. You know, because you didn't ask for it. <laughs> right. It's a surprise. It shows up. You yes. Know? And how? Now what are you going to do? 
I, I'll tell you, all of Buddhism and all of Zen Buddhism is exactly that. Here you are in the middle of your life, and something happens that you didn't plan for, didn't ask for, don't want, you know, think you can't handle. But, but what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. You know. And I mean, I don't. It doesn't have to be, you know, the cancer diagnosis. Although, trust me, that's that may well happen, you know. And it doesn't have to be this or that or the other. I mean, it may just be that, you know, you're out of carrots. Yes. Oh, and you're in the middle of cooking the casserole. I don't care what it is. The dog gets sick, you know, you got a mosquito bite. I mean, it can be so insignificant. Mm -hmm. So, so your life is a continuous practice of actually facing reality. Well, I love that I was at a yoga retreat recently and she talked about one of the teachers, you know, I do yoga all the time and we were doing sun salutation. And But the, the phrase that she said was, one cycle ends and the next one begins. And it just cracked me up because the word cycle, where I'm at in my life is like, it just thought of the laundry and doing, you know, another <laughs> load of laundry. And yeah. I know that you, you talk so much about that in your book And it's so funny how easily we forget, like we just think that they're going to stay clean for even 30 seconds, you know, know. and then we're upset again because here's another dirty load. And so it just, I love your teaching and just using that, especially for moms, we can all relate. You just says 10 seconds of peace that everything's put away and clean. And now there's another (laughs) cycle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, As though life is anything but laundry. I mean, right. you know, show me somebody who doesn't have laundry and I'll show you somebody who, frankly, doesn't have much of a life, you know, yeah. and, and all I, I always they would when people would ask me about hand wash cold. Well, how did you come up with, you know, with with all of these lessons, you know, and, and how is this spiritual? And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I really thought about it a long, hard time. But what is there to life but breakfast, lunch and dinner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Yes. You know, and and, you know, what's so interesting is. A lot of people, you know, have engineered a life where there's no breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yes. You know, uh, they have kitchens that they don't cook in, you know, uh, somebody else does all the laundry. And hey, if that's what you need to do, that's fine too. But that was my gift when I came to the point in my life where there was nobody but me to do the laundry. I had to look at it as a gift and not only that, a spiritual practice, that my freedom was in that load, mm. doing that load. Yes. I don't know that I'm there on that. Yeah. <laughs> Mason, I um I when my babies were little, um that that you know, it really was, you know, just like keeping people alive and um and for me yoga was a reset button that I felt like I was literally re entering my body. Yes. Um and and meditation for me followed that, that yoga came first for me. Um, and, and that's really why um, Shannon and I do what we do is that so much um, that yoga and meditation allowed us to be, feel more like ourselves in all that we do, especially parenting our children, which is, you know, where you really want to be present, but often aren't. Um for someone that has never meditated, um, is there any tips that you can share? 
Well, um, it started for me with yoga too. Mm -hmm. And I'm now talking about, you know, 1993, Mm -hmm. you know, a long, long, long time ago. Um, And that led to meditation for me as well. Yoga and meditation are the same practice. Yoga, the postures, prepare the body and the mind to sit in stillness and silence. It's essentially just uh, the very same practice. It's a cycle is what it is. Um, I would say, you know, you can get, you can get the how-tos anywhere. You know, there's YouTube videos, there's books about how to sit. I think the most important thing, and maybe even before that, is to give yourself five minutes a day at the beginning of the day or the end of the day where you don't do anything. You don't do anything. You don't even say you're meditating. Five minutes a day, maybe before you go to sleep, where you sit in a chair or you sit down on your bedroom floor and you just don't do anything. Set a timer. And if you can't do it for five minutes, do it for four minutes. Just breathe. Just relax. Just be yourself. Just be with yourself. That's Mm -hmm. probably the best way. If you really want to meditate, you will. You'll find some place, someone, somehow, sometime. If you don't want to, you won't, no matter what I say. But I would say that if you want to really kind of have an impact on your life, um, find someone like me (laughs) and come and sit with me. Mm -hmm. I travel all around the country and I'm coming to Kansas City in two or three weeks or something like that. Come and sit with me. You know, someone, again, in community, face-to-face, who can see you and know you and appreciate you and can sit alongside of you so that you feel greater than the sum of your parts. You feel the power of community. You feel supported and sustained. Um, You feel worthwhile. Um, So sometimes you can find that at a yoga studio or through a yoga, uh, through a yoga teacher, you know. Um, So first, one, recognize you have time to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. You have time to be by yourself, and it's essential that you be by yourself. Find a quiet five minutes. Early in the morning is, is as good as late at night, and you have that time. And say, you know, I'm just, don't even try, you know, to get sophisticated or fancy or formal. First find that time. And then after that, you know, look, look outside of yourself and look outside of your home. Um, find a community. Um, that's what I had to do. You know, I lived in Texas when I first started to sit. And the first time, the first date I ever sat, this is how important it was, was June 18th, 1993, because I wrote down the date. Mm-hmm. And I sat on the floor for three minutes. It was that important to me. It was that, uh, seemed that significant to me. But after that, I went looking for a teacher. And I told myself, well, there's no Zen in Texas. And, there, you know, I, I would probably would still tell you that. <laughs> I ended up going to California mm-hmm. because I wanted somebody to show me how to sit. And, and then I ended up living in California. And now I, I was just in Texas two weeks ago and I'm coming to Kansas City. Um, let the world guide you and hold you and uh, show you. Um, let, let your world serve you. Um, it, it happens like that, I promise. Mm. You are a gift. Thank you. We will not share. A gift, not a gift. 
wanted, but a gift like a humidifier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we all need a humidifier, you know, so... <laughs> We so appreciate you taking this time and space with us, and we will definitely share the details about your retreat in Kansas City uh, in our show notes, and uh, we just appreciate you for just sharing your wisdom with all of us mamas who are still deep in those piles of laundry. We'll, we'll think of you differently and our laundry. <laughs> okay, and then I'll share with you my these words from my mom. Um that she left for me and just be yourselves and take good care of your families. Mm. Well, we always end each show with a mindful mama moment. And I think that is it. That's really beautiful. Yes. From my mother Mm. to you. Mm. Well, thank her. Um, You know, I am grateful that she was wise to share that with you. (laughs) Me Mm. too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, now we all get it. Now we all get it. Um, Thank you, Mazen. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening today. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends. If you're enjoying the A Free Spirit Life podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review. Rate the show. It really will help us start to reach more and more people, and we can keep providing you great amazing interviews to come. Be well, my friends, and I will see you next time.